You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Sometimes even in the spiritual family, you know, when, when you really follow the call of God, they go, you're going to do what? You're leaving that job? I know how much you must make. You're leaving. You're giving that up? Well, what about your kids? Well, we're taking them with us. You're taking them where? What about school? All those things. And they, they go, what? Are you crazy? Yes crazy for the Lord. Have people ever questioned the choices you've made? Maybe they've asked things like, you're giving up your vacation time for a missions trip? Or if you give money to your church, how are you going to provide for you and your family? Sometimes these questions can sting a little. We only want to follow the guiding of the Lord, but in today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that non-Christians will have a hard time understanding that. Use these questions as a platform to share the gospel with people. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 3 as he continues his message, Surprising Truths About Jesus' Family. close to Jesus do you think John Mark felt? True believer, saved man. With Paul the apostle, Barnabas on the first missionary journey, but in a place called Pamphylia, Acts chapter 13 tells us that John Mark, for a reason or reasons we are not told, leaves the team, the missionary team, the mission team, goes back home to mama. And I'll guarantee you, When he got back home, physically speaking, he was relieved. Try to hang out with the Apostle Paul. Just imagine. Be on his team. That's tough. you got to have some grit. We aren't told exactly what it was, but somewhere along the way, he decided, "Ah, that's enough for me. And he split and went back to Jerusalem. And he was happy, physically speaking, to be back with Mama's bagels. He loves sleeping in his own bed again. But let me tell you something. He didn't feel close to the Lord. Physically, oh man, it's good to be back home. Spiritually, what in the world have I done? You tell me how close Peter felt to the Lord. When the little servant girl says, you're you're one of his followers, aren't you? I, I recognize you. I don't know what you're talking about. Second time, I, I don't even know the guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Third time, he begins to curse. Begins to curse to try to prove his point. I don't even I don't know what you I, Blank, blankety, blankety, blank. How close do you think he fell? Oh, I, listen. 
I think most of us have been there, if not all of us. You had the opportunity to confess Christ, but you froze. Why? Fear, intimidation. How close to the Lord do you think Elijah felt after a tremendous victory on Mount Carmel? God is answered by fire. Uh, the false prophets uh, have been slain. And then Jezebel, this wicked woman, wicked woman. But she's got power. She's got people at her disposal. She's the queen. And she threatens Elijah so much so that Elijah, Elijah, after that great victory, he runs for his life from a woman. But she's a wicked woman. And she's a powerful woman. And she's, he's hiding in a cave, hiding for his life, running for his life. Thank God for the grace of God, that God didn't just say, well, forget you, I'll get somebody else. God comes to him in the cave. Elijah, what are you doing here? First time I taught on that years ago, I remember I emphasized the question differently at different points. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? I'll move on, but how close do you think our great forefathers, grandparents, Adam and Eve, felt after their first sin? They run and they hide and they hear the Lord walking in the cool of the day. They're used to walking with him, but now they're not walking with him because sin has separated them from fellowship with him. How close do you think Jonah felt? You see, if I'm out of the will of God, even if I'm a part of the spiritual family of God, I'm really born again. I am a Christian. I don't doubt my salvation. But, man, the challenge to daily stay in the will of God and stay on the path. And I'm talking to a lot of people this morning, and chances are there's some Christians here this morning who need a fresh commitment to the Lord. And the reason you don't feel close to the Lord is you are not all in. Some of us have strayed far away, and some of us, well, we're just lukewarm. Either way, the path back is the same for both. And I love the story of the prodigal. Don't you love the story of the prodigal son? No matter how far away you go, the father's waiting, he's longing, and he's looking every day. And he's looking for the day that you will come home. Maybe today's the day. I'm going to say one more thing about this one, and I think it's important. Doing the will of God brings me close to Jesus. And a lot of times doing the will of God, you do it with other people. Uh, this is a group in Mark chapter 3. He looks at those in a circle around him. He says, who is my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God. These men have chosen to leave what they were doing and they follow the call of God and now they are a team. And so many times in ministry and in the church, in the church ministry, we're a team. And sometimes it's not a positive one. What I mean by that is uh, sometimes you get sick. You're as careful. You're, they say, don't drink the water. And when you brush your teeth, make sure you use bottled water and you do all that and you still get sick. Sometimes you go through all these physical challenges and yet, yet this wonderful thing happens despite all the suffering and the sacrifice and the physical challenges you go through. You say, man, I'll never forget that because I felt so close to the Lord. That's why you ought to do more than just come to church. You ought to get involved. You want to be close to the Lord? Then join with others who are doing the will of God and doing ministry. And by just doing those things, you draw closer to the Lord. 
And sometimes it's not a positive thing. And I'll say again, Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Sometimes the most sweetest times with the Lord are the times that are physically the most challenging. I'll tell you what else we learned from Jesus' statement. Earthly relationships do not have a spiritual perspective. I hope you understand that. Don't try to really have the unbelieving friend or family member really understand you. They can't. (laughs) It's impossible. Why? Because the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. You going to church again? You giving up your vacation to do what? You could have had a nicer car, but then you're not going to broadcast this, but you're going to honor the Lord with your wealth, and you don't really need that car. You just live with this one. Whatever it is, you know, they, they don't understand how you make the decisions and why you make the decisions you make. They can't. Because you're part of a spiritual family now. You've been born again, and you have the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and they don't have that. So they're not going to understand. But it's not just um, unbelievers. Sometimes it's the very spiritual family we're all a part of. They don't understand. Isn't it interesting, the group that comes to take Jesus home? We know his brothers did not believe in him at this point. It wasn't until after the resurrection they realized he really is the Son of God. He really is the Savior. We know Mary believed. But even Mary thinks I got to go get my son. He's lost it. And sometimes even in the spiritual family, you know, when, when you really follow the call of God, they go, you're going to do what? You're leaving that job? I know how much you must make. You're leaving. You're giving that up? Well, what about your kids? Well, we're taking them with us. You're taking them where? What about school? All those things. And they, they, they go, what? Are you crazy? Yes, I'm crazy for the Lord. Now, you get a little extra here on this point. Earthly relationships do not have the spiritual perspective. And I'm talking about the spiritual perspective of being a part of his family. This is why it is vitally important who you marry. Now, come on, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know. How many are willing to say, I'm single? You, you, you would let me know. Just raise your hand. I'm single. How many, look how many. Wow. A lot of single people. You know what I've seen happen in 33 years of ministry? Romantic relationship starts, and you know they start to come to church with them. And, uh, and the person that, that's inviting them, they're a part of now in a relationship. Uh, the person, you got one who's really saved. And let's say, for example, they're part of this church. But the person they're having the romantic relationship with, they believe in God, and they tell them, I believe in Jesus. And they, they, they don't do that. Oh, well, why don't you come to church with me? Sure, I'll come to church with you. But the second person is not really born again. And the first person is not really totally committed to the Lord, because if they're totally committed to the Lord, they're probably not going to enter a romantic, romantic relationship with the guy or guy gal anyway. Are you with me? Like, what are you doing? Don't, what are you doing? That's foolishness. Because where's that going to end? It's going to end either in breaking up or immorality or marriage. 
And so here's what I've seen, and I've seen it all too often. Fast forward, they get married. But at best, you've got a lukewarm Christian now marrying someone who talks like, yeah, they are, but they're not. They go to church with them, but church is not a priority. It wasn't before they got married, so they don't expect it to be a priority after they get married. But then something happens. Now the one who's truly saved, the fire of God begins to burn again, and they get really right with their Savior. But now they got a they weight of a spouse because now, now, no, I don't want to go do that. We got church this weekend. Well, we used to do it before. Come on now. But no, now church is priority. And now ministry is priority. Now I like to get involved. I don't want to just attend church. I want to get involved. You want, like, come on. And now you have this friction in the relationship because you've got one who's truly saved and now on fire for the Lord. But they've married someone who's just religious. My wife, in a counseling letter, wrote to someone in our fellowship years ago one of the greatest lines that I will never ever forget. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to move on. It's better to be single and lonely than married and miserable. That's a great line. There's a lonely single person that's thankful that they're in the will of God. God bless you. Please don't marry someone that's not a believer, and one who's really been born again. And by the way, if you're lukewarm, it's not time to get married. It's time to get right with God first. Because only when you're right with God will he be able to lead you to the one he has for you. Last point. I must never allow any earthly relationship to keep me from the will of God. Now, some of you will take what I said on the last point at the end about the marriage thing. You say, well, there's my out. I married out of the will of God, but I'm out of here now. Go home and read 1 Corinthians 7, and you won't be encouraged. Because it says, hey, you you may have married out of the will of God, but now the will of God for you is to stay married. You make the best of it. You be faithful. You'd be the best husband, the best wife they could ever have as a Christian. And you pray for them. Let me give you something that Jesus said that, man, it's a heavy. It's a heavy. Here's what he said. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Is that not heavy? Now, our English language puts us at a disadvantage because we go, what? Hate his father and mother? But the word hate there is not talking about an emotional hatred or I don't love my family. That's not what he's talking about. That's why Proverbs uh, says, if you don't discipline your child or children the way God says you're to discipline them, and one of the main things when they're younger is use the, the rod, spank them. That woke a few parents up. Here's what it says. If you don't discipline them the way God says, you don't love them. As a matter of fact, it says, there's a proverb that says, you hate your child. But it's the same idea. Obviously, no, you say, no, I love them. But if you're neglecting God's way of raising them, you hate them in that sense. That's the idea here. It's not, well, I don't love mom or dad anymore. I love mom and dad. At least most of us would say that, I hope. But he's talking about priority. Priority. 
1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm only going to read a handful of verses. Let me set it up for you. Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven by chariot of fire pulled by horses of fire, angelic. And God's giving him what he needs to do before he leaves. Here's some things you need to take care of. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, go, came, go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, anoint Yehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. You go down to verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Pause there a minute. That tells us that Elisha is from a wealthy family because most families, farm families in that day were small enterprises consisting of a single plow and one set of oxen. Here's 12 set of oxen. It's a big farm. He's from a wealthy family. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Pause there. Zechariah 13.4 tells us that prophets in the Old Testament wore a particular cloak that identified them as a prophet. It was usually a cloak of animal's hair. And so Elisha knows right away what's going on. When Elijah comes and throws his cloak over him, what he's saying is, God's calling you, son. What are you going to do? Because it means leaving the farm, leaving the family. What are you going to do? Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah, and here's his request. Catch this. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? What does that mean? All Elijah's saying, what have I done to you? Go do what you got to do. It's not me calling you, it's God. In other words, go do what you got to do. So Elisha left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. No doubt his family's there. Other farmhands are there. I think friends would have been there. And what is he saying? I'm not coming back. I'm leaving this life, and I'm leaving no opportunity to return to my old way of life. This is a lifelong commitment. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now, some people take what Elisha requested here about kissing mom and dad goodbye, and they liken it to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9. Let me take you quickly to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, verse 59. And Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus replied, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go proclaim the kingdom of God. What's he saying? He's speaking spiritually. What this man is requesting is not, dad is on the doorstep. I got to go back. We got to do the funeral and then I'll come. What he's saying is, when dad dies, then I'll come. 
That's why Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. It tells us that this dad is not a part of the spiritual family of Jesus, and therefore he's spiritually dead. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking spiritually. Let non-believers deal with their world. You've got to follow the call of God. You let the dead bury their own dead. You're going to come or not? doesn't end there. Verse 61, still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That sounds like the request Elisha made, but there is a difference. And it's either one of two things. Let me tell you quickly. It's either one of two things. Either he's not saying, let me just go and say goodbye, but let me go and it's going to be a little while. I've got to get some things in order. Not right now. Either he's saying that, or Jesus sees the duplicity in his heart. And that's why he says, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit. But we know what Elisha said, and we know his heart because of what he did. I love what Mark Batterson writes in regard to Elisha. And I'll read you from Mark Batterson's book, All In. Elisha literally cooked his old way of life and ate it for dinner. And then he says, and forgive me if this is taking the analogy too far, but after digesting it, he got it out of his system. And in my opinion, Pastor Mark didn't go too far. Because I immediately thought of Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul said, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I count them, I consider them as rubbish. Sometimes translated dung. Let me give you, if you don't understand what dung is. When you eat the meal and your body takes everything of value to keep you alive and sustain your life, everything else goes into the toilet, and you flush it. That's the comparison. Here's what I wrote, and I close. Sometimes following the will of God means ignoring or even resisting the desires or demands that come from earthly family relationships. Sometimes it means ignoring or resisting the desires of relationships even within the family of God. If Jesus had did what Mother Mary wanted... He would have left where he was and gone back home. That was not the will of God. Listen up, parent. Sometimes it means leaving home, saying goodbye to those you love. It did for me. But Jesus says for those that have that calling and are willing to do it, you'll receive family in this world much larger. I got family in Australia, Africa, Guatemala, everywhere. I got family all around the world. Finally, sometimes doing the will of God because we're part of Jesus' family means family division. He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And there are parts in the world, places in the world, and I know some Christians that live in places in the world that their family has disowned them. I know children who have followed the call of God that whose fathers say, now I don't have a son, I don't have a daughter anymore, you're no longer mine. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.